Burning Hillside. Well, you guys look good. You guys look good. It's, um, it's always an honor and a privilege for me to have an opportunity to share God's word with you. It's, um, it's really something that I, I, I look forward to, uh, just to share what God has been placing on my heart um, throughout this summer. So we're ending our, soon our summer series here at Hillside. And I don't know about you guys, but it's been fantastic this summer, hasn't it? It's been unbelievable. Um, I've been so blessed this summer. It's probably one of the best ones that I remember just hearing from our pastors on staff, hearing from our elders and others that have shared. It's been really a blessing. So if you've missed a couple of, of weekends or if you've had to unplug for whatever reason, I would just encourage you, go to the website, go back, plug in, listen to some of the sermons that have already been preached because I believe it will bless you the way it's been blessing me. Um, well, let's be encouraged with the word of God today. I want to encourage you in God's word this morning. That's what I hope to do. Uh, it's amazing how the scriptures uh, just speak into the reality of our lives so clearly, isn't it? It leaves no stone unturned. Whether we're going through a certain situation or a circumstance, uh, God's word tends to uh, build strength and hope and uh, just joy in the midst of any circumstance. And, and that's been my prayer this week, that that would be true for you in a special way and, and true for me in a special way this morning. So this summer, I've been uh, meditating uh, in the Psalms, actually. Uh, I've been spending quite a bit of time there and uh, in my devotional time. And speaking of scriptures that give strength and hope, right, uh, there may be no better place within the scriptures than the Psalms. And I think it's because it reflects into our actual experiences so deeply, doesn't it? Whether it was David or Asaph or others who wrote in the Psalms, we often connect so quickly to it uh, because at least for me, when I read it, I, I'm constantly saying, that's exactly what I'm dealing with, right? That's exactly how I'm feeling about this situation. This is the same thing that's coming into my life. Uh, and so that's what I want to do today. I want to look specifically at Psalm 27. Uh, so if you have your phones, if you have the word of God in your hands, feel free to start to turn there, Psalm 27. And I want to give you a little bit of context. And my goal today is to just look at this more devotionally. I'll even use some amplified uh, text as well, because I want to take a look at this really devotionally and practically for our life today, Psalm 27. So just for some context, it's clear here in Psalm 27 that this is a time of great crisis and turmoil. Uh, it's clear through the text that this crisis is taking place both on a national scale as well as on a personal level with our author here, David. And so now we know a little bit about David's life, I hope. We know that he has dealt with several different crisis moments in his life. He's dealt with his fair share of challenges, times when circumstances were mounting against him. Uh, and so this is something that we can't necessarily pinpoint exactly which one of those he was going through here in Psalm 27, but we believe that most likely it's the crisis of his son, Absalom, who was chasing him down. He was rebelling against the nation, he was rebelling against his own father, and ultimately was seeking to kill his father. And so if you, if you can imagine, David has at this point at least gone through so many different trials and situations in his life where God has shown himself faithful. But this is a family thing, right? This hits close to home. This is his own son who's seeking to harm him. So this would be, bring great turmoil to David. Uh, this would be the type of situation that would induce fear in the hearts of many of us. 
this is something that would bring great concern and even maybe lead to discouragement. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves here in Psalm 27. And so let me ask you, uh, heart check moment, where are you this morning? Uh, maybe you're like David, you're in a situation where uh, you find yourself in a crisis. Uh, maybe you're in a situation right now where you find yourself uh, in a season of turmoil. Uh, maybe you feel discouraged right now about something. Is there something weighing on your heart uh, where you're worried about something? Well, I want to encourage you in the Word of God today. And we're going to look uh, at Psalm 27, but specifically we're going to pay attention to two verses. And we're going to look at how David ends this psalm, verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14. It's in these two verses that uh, David's audience shifts in his writing. You know, originally between verses 1 and 12, he's talking to God. He's pleading with God. He's crying out to God. He's worshiping God in the midst of these circumstances. But in verse 13, his audience shifts and he begins to exhort himself. Uh, David begins to encourage himself. And I think that there's encouragement here for us as well. And I actually believe there's three things that I want to point out here that I believe should mark the life of every believer in any situation or any circumstance that you find yourself in, in any situation or any circumstance. All right, so let's read it together. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, and this is the Amplified. David writes, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. So key number one that should mark the life of a believer, regardless of what circumstance you find yourself in, is to remember and expect the goodness of God. Remember and expect the goodness of God. Uh, do you know that God is good? Do you know that God is good? I think you know that. I think that you've said it. I think we, we say it a lot. We sing about it. Uh, I think we intuitively know it. But let me ask you this way. Do you believe that God is good? That his goodness endures? Do you believe it? Do you believe it in a way that is evidenced in your life? That you walk around and people can say, man, you walk around like you know God is good, right? Do, do, do we believe it in a way that it dictates our thought life? That that overcomes everything else in our thought life, the fact that the goodness of God will be seen in the land of the living? Does it frame the way that we think about the future? Or do we allow worry to step in between those situations? You know, one of the first prayers that we tend to teach our children is how to say grace, right, at a meal. It's a great place to start. Uh, it's one of the places that I started. Uh, maybe you are like me. I learned a prayer. The one that I initially committed to memory uh, was like this. Say it if you know it. It says, God is, God is, let us thank us for his. We know that, right? We say it. Now, I came from a call and response type of church culture. Anybody with me? where people say amen and they shout down the preacher, right? And so in, in, in this type of culture, we had some other things that we would do that we would encourage each other with. And so let me know if you know this. Somebody would say, God is good. And then they would say, and then they would say all the time. I'm, I'm impressed. 
Hey, we, we can get more amens in here now, I, I think. Like, I'm just saying. So listen, this is a fundamental truth that we're so used to hearing. We're so used to saying it. We're so used to singing about it. But for whatever reason, we, we, we get into these moments that we see a boulder in front of us. And if, although we say it, and although sometimes we sing about it, and those things are good, we should encourage one another in the word of God. We should encourage ourselves to say that God is good and remind ourselves. We should sing about it because he's due the glory of his goodness. But sometimes we struggle in believing it. You know, the scriptures present this truth over and over and over and over again. And I think the repetition of this reality is not only due to its immense importance for our lives and our understanding of who God is, but I also think the repetition is a signal of our immense forgetfulness as well. God in his graciousness repeats it all the time because it's one of those things that we will tend to forget in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a circumstance, in the midst of something that's going on that's not according to our plans, we can tend to forget the goodness of God. And, and I just want to remind you of that. I just want to remind you of his goodness today. I want to remind you of his sovereignty. Because I have to be told again and again and again by an authority that is above me, that he is for me. Have you ever been in a situation where you just needed to be reminded that he is for me? that he loves me, that he is good, that he is faithful, that he is sovereign in every situation. Psalms 100 verse five says this, it says, for the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. First Chronicles says, 1634 says, give thanks to the Lord, why? For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And it goes on and on throughout scripture reminding us. I was reading a little bit of C.S. Lewis this week and he spoke a little bit about the goodness of God and I love the way he connects it to his very nature. He said, this is C.S. Lewis's writing. He said, God is not merely good, but goodness itself. And goodness is not merely divine, but God. Amen. God is good. So listen, can I just encourage you this morning? Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Don't allow someone to lie to you. Don't lie to yourself. Don't allow the enemy of this world to come in and lie to you. Don't allow society to uh, uh, lie to you or deceive you. Listen, God is good. He is faithful. He is a promise keeper. He is true. He is good in his very nature. He is good in everything he is, and he is good in everything that he does. God is good. Do you believe that this morning? God is good. John, John, James 1.17 says this. It says, every good thing. Some good things? No. Most good things? No. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, which means he's unchanging and unmovable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same good God that we read about in the scripture is the same good God that's planning out your life. He's good. And that's the reason why God is even good to those that don't know him. Did you know that? God is good to even those that don't believe in him, that don't trust him. The very one that would say, I don't even believe that there is a God, he's good. He's good. 
because he fills the world with common blessing. Uh, in theology, this is actually called the common grace of God. It's the grace and the blessing and the goodness of God for all to partake of. He's good. Jesus said it this way. He said he causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. I've heard it said like this about common grace. Uh, I've heard this phrase. It It said, God gives some of his goodness to all of his people and all of his goodness to some of his people and none of us deserve it no matter what group we're in. God is good. Well, David said in verse 13, though, he said, I would have despaired. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Mike uh, just had an amazing talk. I encourage you to listen. Um, he talked about the detrimental realities of this, po- this postmodern society where truth is denied and not accepted anymore. Um, and it really is leading to great despair in our culture all around us. We see it on a daily basis. We're having more and more conversations of people that are just finding despair within life. And and so just listen to some of these statistics that are absolutely heart-wrenching for me to hear and to read. It says the annual U.S. suicide rate increased 30% between 2000 and 2020. 30%. Surging death rates from suicide, drug overdoses, and alcoholism are what researchers now refer to as the deaths of despair. And they are largely responsible. These three that are growing are largely responsible for a consecutive three-year decline of life expectancy in the U.S. And by the way, this constitutes the first three-year drop in life expectancy in the U.S. since the years 1915 and 1918. Despair is ravaging our society. You know, it's amazing how the farther we get away from God as a society, the closer we get to despair. Oxford Dictionary defines despair as the complete loss and absence of hope. And so as we look at what David says here, as he exhorts himself in the midst of his situation, uh, as he thinks, if we think about this, this is exactly what he had. He had hope. And this is how I would define hope. Hope is the confident expectation that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's hope. Listen, hope is only found in God. Hope is only found in Jesus Christ. That's where hope is found. You know, I think about life and it it reminds me, have you held a a newborn baby recently? Have you had that opportunity? You know, every time I get a chance to hold a newborn baby, and I don't hold a lot of babies. Uh, It's probably for a good reason. Um, They tend to cry. But every time I get a chance to hold a newborn baby or even see one, there's a renewed sense of awe and wonder, and there's a shared beauty of the gift of life, isn't there? You, You look at this child and you know that it's a miracle from God. And you know what? You're reminded of this truth that we are made in the image and the likeness of God. Think about that. We are made by God in his image. And so what makes a human life valuable? You know, David said he would have despaired. What makes a human life valuable? What would you answer if you came into an opportunity to speak to someone 
that's despairing of life, how would you tell them that their life mattered? What would you say? What answer would you give them? Would you say that the significance of their life is maybe dependent upon how they feel? Uh, Would you say that the significance of their life is dependent upon whether people love them or not? Well, in that case, what would you say to the person that nobody, nobody perceivably loves? What would you say to the outsider, the person that feels forgotten, the person that feels passed over? What would you say to them? Then, of course, there's those that would say, you know, the significance of life truly comes uh, by your contribution. When we contribute, we feel a level of significance. You know, maybe it's your contribution in your family or in society or in your community. But if we go down that dead end, what, what do we say to the person that can't find work? What do we say to the person that, that can't work? The person that might be suffering a long-term illness or a disability, the person that's in need of constant care. You know, someone who's feeling increasingly like they're, they're only a drain on the people that are around them and the resources that are provided to them. What about those people? You know, these questions, I think, are coming up more and more and more in our society today, where the, the very value of life is being questioned. And we just saw these statistics that show this to be true, that there's more despair ever, that people are questioning even the value that they have and the purpose that they have here. Can I tell you something? Here's what gives dignity to every single person. Here's what gives dignity. Here's what gives worth and hope and the purpose for every single person that is alive here. In every season, in every circumstance, in every situation, whether things are on a mountaintop right now or whether they're in a valley. Listen, you were made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God, and He is faithful and He is good. And the very fact that He's giving you breath right now not only means that He's good, but it means that He wants you here. That's what it means. And in his great sovereignty and in his great kindness, listen, there is a purpose in everything that he does and there is a purpose in everything that he has made and there is even a greater purpose in every single breath that he gives. If you're taking a breath right now, God has a purpose for you and he wants you here. We can rest in that truth. Amen? So if you're fighting... Uh, discouragement today, worry, despair. Listen, focus on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You will find hope in Jesus. You will find hope in remembering and expecting to see the goodness of God. Because David here in in verse 13, he makes a connection between hope and the goodness of God. He said, I would have despaired had I not believed. In other words, there would be no hope if he hadn't believed that the goodness of the Lord would follow him all the days of his life. But of course, uh, he did believe that this is a good God. He did believe that, and he did know firsthand of his faithfulness. And he did know that the goodness and mercy of God would follow him. And so that's why instead of despairing, he goes to verse 14 and he says this. So instead of despairing, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. There's a great expectation of God. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. So first, number one, we have to remember 
and expect the goodness of God. But number two, we have to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. This should mark the life of every believer. Uh, There are common phrases and commands throughout scripture uh, that we can take note of because of its repetition, right? We we know some of those. Uh, Do not be afraid is one of them, isn't it? Do not be afraid. Uh, In one form or another, it's one of the most repeated commands in scripture. Uh, But put positively, the inverse of that, in other words, it's telling us what not to do. But really, when you think about this also being repeated in scripture, the inverse of that put positively, God calls us to be strong and courageous instead of being afraid. So think about how often that we're reminded of this throughout scripture. And courage is always an act of faith. Uh, Because the courageous person is acting on what they believe despite the threat that's before them, right? Every act of courage is based on a belief. It's based on a belief. It's someone stepping out into faith. And so let me tell you something. Having faith in God, despite the circumstance around us, can help us accomplish more for God and others than we ever imagined. You know, some of the greatest things that God will do in our life will be manifested out of circumstances that we didn't plan for but required our faith. And so we need to be strong and courageous in the Lord because it's faith that pleases God, right? Look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 6 with me. Uh, It says this. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. In other words, they must believe that he is who he says he is and he will faithfully do what he says he will do. So how is courage fueled? Courage is fueled by faith in the ultimate reality that what God promises will come to pass. Amen? Our courage is fueled by the ultimate reality that what God promises to us will come to pass. And so here are just a handful, a very small sample size of some of the promises of God that should encourage us this morning. These are promises that we should be expecting God for and we should be doing so without any reservation because God's word is true and it does not return void. We should be encouraged by God's promises to forgive all of our sins, right? 1 John 1, to never forsake us, Hebrews 13, to cause light to dawn in the darkness, Psalms 112, to provide for all of the things that we really need, Philippians 4, to provide an escape in every temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, to work all things, even the worst things in our life for good and for our ultimate good. Romans 8, to cause us to ultimately overcome our, our worst enemies. Romans 16, to give us life even though we die. John 11, and to someday wipe every tear from our eyes. Revelation 21, to give us fullness of joy and the pleasures in, forevermore in his presence. Psalm 16, Does that encourage you today? We serve a promise keeper. God is faithful and we can build our faith and our courage in his word. And like David did, if we would just take our eyes off of the current circumstances, take our eyes off of the problem and put our eyes on the problem solver, set our eyes and our affections towards Jesus, we will be filled with great strength and great courage. And he will renew our faith. Listen, trust him 
There is no better place for your confidence. There is no better place for your faith. Take courage this morning. Take courage in whatever it is that you're going through. Resist the temptation to overestimate what it is that threatens you and underestimate God's power to to be true to his promise. Take courage this morning. All right, so heart check, right? Heart check. What are the areas in your life right now that you need to take courage in? What are the areas in your life right now that you need a renewed faith in, that you need to look back at the promises of God and remind yourself of? Amen? Look at how David closes Psalm 27 with me. He says, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Uh, Key number three, this should mark the life of every believer in every situation, is to wait for the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. You know, waiting or patience uh, is one of the first things that we tend to teach our children, right? Uh, Sometimes it takes longer than others, but it's something that we hope our children will understand and learn. Uh, I think it's because either experientially or intuitively, we know that most of our self-inflicted problems in life come from an inability to delay gratification, right? We've seen how not being able to delay gratification has impacted our life in negative ways, Uh, whether it's that inability to be patient or really just to wait. Uh, And I've realized this as a parent more than ever, that it's actually a sign of maturity uh, when we realize the difference between a delay and a denial, right? I can kind of mark my children as they come and I say, not yet, based on how they respond to me, I go, oh, they're maturing a little bit. Like that was a, I told them like two years for a cell phone and they handled it pretty well. It's a sign of maturity, right? Knowing the difference between a delay and a denial. And in fact, when it comes to God's timing, it's not even a delay, is it? Because we understand that his good and perfect will is playing out in our lives and we should trust his timing and not ours. We're calling it a delay for our timing, but in truly, truly, we should be submitting our will to him and trusting in his timing and waiting on the Lord. Uh, when we talk about waiting on the Lord throughout scripture, this is not a, uh, a state of inactivity. Uh, this is actually a state of heightened activity when we talk about waiting on the Lord. I remember the first time uh, I heard about the term active listening. And I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, active listening? What is, like, how do you actively listen? Um, all the wives know that there's a way to actively listen and, and, and just to hear, sorry guys, I threw you under the bus. Uh, but we recognize the difference now, right? Hearing is not the same thing as listening and active listening. Uh, there's a posture to active listening. Uh, it, when you hear something, it, it's just the things that are going on around you. But actually, when we're actively listening, uh, we're focused in on that. We're actually trying to tune out the noise around us. We're trying to get all the distractions out of the way, right? And so when we talk about waiting on God, this is not an inactivity. This is a heightened activity. This is the time when we're getting all the noise out of the way. And that's what David is calling us to. He's saying, remember the goodness of God. And when you do that, all of a sudden, new faith will be starting to bubble up on the inside of you. And you will be, you'll start to grow strong. And you'll start to be courageous. And you know what will happen? You'll begin to wait on the Lord. And you'll wait on him actively. You know what it looks like? This is a time of great prayer. This is a time of petition. This is a time of asking and seeking his face. 
Sometimes God will lead you into a season of fasting. This is a time of worship. Because I got to tell you, it's hard to start remembering the goodness and the faithfulness of God and not immediately begin to worship and to give him the glory that he's due. This is a time of great obedience. It's a time that we refocus and set our time, our, our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 4:14 4, through 16 says this, and I love this. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because of that, let us approach the throne of grace with what? Boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In your season of waiting, in your season of active waiting, know who it is that you're calling upon. We have a great high priest in Jesus that understands intricately what's going on in our lives, understands intricately uh, 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 what these feelings are, these emotions and these, circ these circumstances and these situations are. Nothing surprises him. And we should be bold and confident in asking him for what we need. Listen, don't get in so much of a hurry that you don't have time to ask. Don't get in so much of a hurry in your life that you don't have time to seek his will for your life. And don't get in so much of a hurry uh, that you don't have time to wait on his answer. You know, I fell prey to that uh, recently, uh, about a year ago, I, I really felt heavy on my heart that uh, it was time for me to make a, a, a transition at work. Uh, and I felt at peace with it right away. That I really believe that this was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. It was just, it was clear. And so I said, okay, like, I think my time here has been well served and, uh, and it's time to, to move on. And so I, I did everything that I would think to do. I, I actually wrote down a little list of all of the desires of my heart of what this next opportunity might look like. And I began to submit that to, to God in prayer. Because he said, hey, come and ask me for what you want and for the desires of your heart. And so I said, okay, God, if, if I'm going into another season, here, here are the things that I, I think would be a blessing to my family. And I did that and uh, I engaged my community. There's some uh, men in my life that I, I submitted this to and told them where I was and they began to pray for me and encourage me. I started getting texts during the week and saying, hey, how's it going? What's going on? Have you heard anything? Uh, and everything was going great. And then the winter came. And this was a real winter. Uh, it was the winter of 2021. But it was also a figurative winter because somewhere, somehow, it was, about, it was about four to six months later, like, I, I just got restless. And all of a sudden, I start, like, doing stuff that I shouldn't have had to be doing. You know, I'm having conversations here and there. All of a sudden, you look at the list that I was submitting to God, and I, I'm having conversations, and the people are telling me, like, I, we can't even do half of the stuff on that list. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it will still work. And I'm trying to, like, fit a, a, a round peg in a square box. And, and I could tell you that from the outside looking in, it looked extremely productive. I had great conversations and met great people and had all these different meetings and everything looked like it was going great. But the reality is I, I wasn't seeking God the way that I was when it started. 
You know, my communication with the men that were in my life, I stopped giving them updates and asking for prayer. I I start pulling away and just doing my own thing, taking conversations wherever they would come. And let me tell you something. This quickly became one of the most stressful times in my life, and for no reason. For no reason. I had no other reason. It was just like I felt like it was time, and so I'm going to force it in. And then somehow when the spring came, all of a sudden, I, I start to reflect on the faithfulness of God. And I, I mean, it broke my heart. I'm, I, I remember sitting there and I'm going, God, when have you not provided? When, when have you not set my path straight? You know, your favor has been before me in every step of my life. And I began to just resubmit everything. I began to start to become more active in my waiting and less active in my searching in the outside world. And I started to just believe and trust. And I'm telling you, within a month of just refocusing, God began to open up doors. And every single thing that I had asked for, God in his graciousness and his kindness brought those things to my family. Listen, we have to wait upon the Lord. We have to wait upon the Lord. And, and And as Mikey and the band come up right now, I just, I want to take some time and uh, worship today as well, because one of those active steps that we talked about uh, in our waiting season is to worship, and another one's to pray, and we're going to do both of those. We're going to put those into practice before we walk out of here today, and we're going to look at what it looks like to wait, and so I would ask you as we begin uh, to sing together, to just reflect on these three things that would mark the life of every believer in every situation. Be sure that we're remembering and expecting the goodness of God in our life. Be strong and courageous, building up your faith through the word of God. And then wait on the Lord in your time of need. And so if you can just stand with me right now, we're we're gonna worship. And, And I would just ask you, Uh, right now to just reflect on the faithfulness of God in your specific life. The boulders that he has moved, the times that he has come through, the things that he has done, the, the prayers that he has answered. Reflect on that right now and let's lift up a worship to God this morning in this season of active waiting. Amen? As you go into this week, Reflect on the goodness of God and how faithful he is. No matter what's going on around you, keep your eyes focused on him. And I promise you, he's faithful to fill you with faith and strength and courage in the midst of any circumstance that you're in. Amen? Father, we submit our hearts and our lives to you, Lord. Because you're the only one that can carry the weight of it. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness that goes before me and goes behind me, your protection, your provision, your faithfulness, God. And I would just ask, Lord, as a community, Lord, you know every circumstance, every prayer, every need that's represented here, I would just pray, Father, that within your good and perfect will, that you would give us the strength and the courage to wait on you. And to know, Lord, that you're good through it all. 
In Jesus' name, amen.